Welcome into Film Tank, the weekly podcast that covers both new and classic cinema. On this episode of Film Tank, we discuss the Sicario sequel, which is Sicario Day of the Soldado, starring Benicio Del Toro and Josh Brolin. If you would like to get in touch with Film Tank, you can always email us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Film Tank Show. And you can listen to all of our episodes on our website, filmtankshow.com, or on iTunes. And now, here are your hosts, Nick Cheney, Toussaint Egan, and myself, Alex Diekman. Hey there again, everybody, and welcome in to episode 159 of Film Tank. I am Alex Diekman, along here today with Toussaint Egan. Hello. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. And Nick Cheney also gracing us with his presence. Freebird. Okay, he's just going to say random things during the entire episode. Even my beard. That's right, Nick. That is fine, but but our audience would not know that you... But now they know. What does it taste like? It's like memento. I'm working in reverse. Okay, you just got to keep listening, and you'll understand that at the end of the day, I'm just lying to myself to prove my own meaningless existence, and yes, I murdered people. But what I'm trying to say, though, is that this can is weird because it's kind of throwing me off because every time I see it, I just want to shout, free bird! And you have done that multiple times. We'll see how many more times. During the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We'll see how many more times. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I like Memento, but we're not talking about that today. We can. You want to? (laughs) I haven't seen that. Have we done an episode on that? No. No, I thought we did, but that was other Christopher Nolan's shit. Yeah. I wouldn't remember it anyway. <laughs> it was a good try. I tried. It, was, it wasn't bad. You had way worse. Yeah, I know. The last time I watched Memento all the way through is when we did that really not great, uh, actually it wasn't that bad, <clears throat> um, movie, short film, whatever you want to call it, yeah. for... Uh, for Neller's class back at AU. Do you remember that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember well, that. You were in a different you were in group. A, your uh, video was actually really good. Yours yeah. This is the one that won, right? Yeah. 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 I wanted to win. And we and, won. And then that other <laughs> that other classmate of ours who will not be named tried to talk a big game and then his movie sucked oh, ass. When that he, was when hilarious. He, when he created the rave, the fucking weird rave video. Yeah. I just remember when he showed, quote unquote, we all had to make trailers for our movies. Yeah. So he showed the trailers so everybody was kind of like, oh, because yes, he had like money so yeah. he had equipment that none of us were using. And but like many Hollywood films, the trailer <laughs> was good and then the film showed up. And then, yeah, well, in, in his case, the trailer was, eh. But... The movie itself was also just the trailer, yeah, with maybe a few minutes. No story. Added. Like yeah. it was just like so. Anyway, it was kind of hilarious. Hilariously bad. Yeah, that's what it was. Fucking weird. Also, too, wasn't there? There was a romantic comedy one. Yeah, with, the horses. With horses. With that horses. was like, and the horses didn't even long. get fucked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where it's like a person <laughs> drove like this truck out to like a like like to a a, a ranch. There was a Rascal Flat song playing, I and think. there was multiple. Oh, first of all, there yeah. was like six montages in that. Yeah, and he opened the door, yeah. and all these beer cans like <laughs> fell out, and then. The next shot, like when he's actually talking to the father, like outside the car, the beer cans are just gone, and that just fucked with my like sense of continuity. Like, what the fuck is this going? Is sci-fi. Yeah, no, that's something Quentin Tarantino would do in a film. Yeah, nice. 
but you know, like to be an actual movie, yeah, and yeah. not a um, yeah. There was just a lot of montages and a lot of uh, daddy's I... gonna kill you because you're a man thing going on there. Not good enough for my daughter. A lot of belt buckles. Wait a minute. Yeah, yeah. he knows how to rub a horse's temple. Maybe he can come over here and try it on me. Yeah, nice. Wow. We have gotten off track. Yeah. Which is okay. Because we're talking about. We are talking Wait, about. I, uh, I thought you were going to say we've gotten off track because we're over at Off Track Betting on the horses. Ah, because we were just talking about horses. <laughs> and oh, man, I love comedy. <laughs> Why, Nick? <laughs> All right, continue. Do you have to ask that? You should uh, know by now. We're 159 episodes. I know. I know. Freebird. Clear. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, Nick. So the film we are discussing today is the second Sicario film, Day of the Salado. Oh, this is a Sicario movie. I thought it was called Sabario, and I thought it was all about the rise and fall of a pizza empire. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I... I'm upset by how much I like that joke. That was a really good joke. Was it? <laughs> yes. It was really funny. If he says it, it must be. <laughs> I think it's actually the reverse. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. But I'm proud of myself. So, Sicario, not Sabario. <laughs> Day of the Soldado, which oddly translates to Hitman Day of the Soldier. Yep. If you're into that. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it doesn't translate very well. No. This round was actually directed by Stefano Solime, Solima. Hmm. Uh, he hasn't done much. Yep. Uh, but he directed this. Yep, he hasn't done much. And this was written by Taylor Sheridan. This so, movie's problem is not with the director. Ooh. In my opinion. Okay. Yeah. I mean, just as far as wrangling all these things together. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Taylor Sheridan, who's written numerous really pretty... <laughs> Good films in the last few years, including the original Sicario, Hell or High Water, and Wind River, Mm. uh, wrote and was the only credited writer on this film. And also, too, uh, this film stars Benicio Del Toro and Josh Brolin again, and also features Isabella Moner as Isabel Reyes, and also has Catherine Keener for some reason. Does it? Shea Wingham and... Uh, Shea Wiggum. He was yeah. in one scene. I know. No, I'm just saying it's it so funny. It's fulfilling. It's great. Jesus. And Jeffrey Donovan and his wonderful mustache. So, uh, this film centers around the drug war on the U.S.-Mexico border. Of course it does. As it has escalated. Oh, of course it As does. the cartels have begun trafficking terrorists across the U.S. border. By the way, that whole storyline is not touched on after the first six minutes of this movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to fight this war, federal agent Matt Graver reteams with Alejandro the Sicario. Yeah. So, who wants to go first? Uh, me, I'll go uh, first. Uh, oh, I mean, I mean, uh, you, you go first. Me and, go first? Yeah, no, I'll go. I'll then, go first. And then, and then, and then Tucson, and then Nick, because Nick's got a lot to say. Yeah. I know. Uh, so, I enjoyed the first one. Mm-hmm. I didn't think the first Sicario truly reached its true potential. Yeah. I thought it had a chance to be a much better film. And I think if Taylor Sheridan would have created that film, the original one, uh, 
and kept the same plot and maybe had a few better tweaks in it, I think it could have been an even better film than it was. Still, I enjoyed it. Um, Emily Blunt had a really nice performance in it. Uh, we had a really nice, uh, not really cameo, but it was a small performance by John Bernthal, who was really mm. good in it. Daniel I thought, Kalua before Get Out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, who plays her, uh, Emily Blunt's like partner. Yeah. <laughs> and to um, Benicio Del Toro's character, who I thought was fantastic in the original one. Yeah. Um, so all of those things made me feel like maybe this would be good. <laughs> So, obviously, I wanted to see it, and I went to see it pretty quick after this came out in the theater. And this is not that good. Um, This film has no idea what it wants to be. Uh, And, you know, it seemed like a home run to just make a straight film about Benicio Del Toro's character of Alejandro. Uh, But really, this is not about him. This actually has no idea what it wants to be. like, hinges on him so to speak, but it also doesn't want to actually commit to trying to tell a full arc, which is really weird. But this movie is super confused about what, I mean, it seems the whole motivation of this was to make Sicario 2 so we can make Sicario 3, um, um, which... It's called Sicario Trace. Sure. Um, and there was just really nothing here, even though I thought there were some pretty good action sequences. Um, and I did enjoy some parts with uh, Benicio del Toro, who I thought was still giving a decent performance with what he had to work with here. Um, boy, the longer this went on, the more apparent it became that this was just not going to work out. Um, and then, yeah, at the end, uh, Benicio del Toro gets shot in the head and lives. So there's that. It was a real Fight Club moment. Yeah. I mean, he's bleeding out of his head, right? He is. Like, he, his, his head is saturated in blood. I told you blood. that what's weird about that whole... <coughs> the, the the gun scene and then the aftermath scene is that mm-hmm. he is shot through the head mm-hmm. in the actual execution scene. Mm-hmm. And he's bleeding when he falls down to the ground or whatever. But when we go back to him, he's bleeding out of his cheek. Right. And I don't understand how bullets do that. <sighs> I don't know. I mean, there's some debate out there if he actually gets shot in the head, but I'm pretty sure he did. The fact that there's any debate of whether he gets shot in the head in a movie that is so clinical, mm-hmm. uh, I should say in a franchise, you know, like going back to the first movies, mm-hmm. coldness and sterile realness, yeah. uh, there should not be any ambiguity. It should be clear as day if his brains get splattered out or not. Which, which they did, I think. Right. And that's the thing. But, it's... but he can't die it because he's... I guess? Yeah. He's the soldier. Yeah, he's the soldier. Um, yeah. The Sicario. So that was, that was something. I actually didn't mind his relationship with the young girl, Isabel. However, uh, when we reach our conclusion with it, and the further that goes on, I got more and more confused as the film went on. Because we left off the last film with him murdering children. Yeah. Uh, Murdering random children. Yeah. This is not even a random girl, but the daughter of, I guess, the guy who killed his own family. No, no, because it wasn't because... He killed the guy who killed... He killed the guy. Like, this is a straight up... so confused. The guy guy that he killed in the first movie worked for the man who was the father of this girl. But what I'm saying is he's still... Oh, wait, really? Yeah. So the guy he killed what? in the first movie was the person or just a person? No, I thought he was the leader. I swear 
he says in Day of the Soldado okay. that um, the father of this girl actually pulled the trigger imagine, and murdered I, mean, that, that, I guess that makes his sense. family. Imagine, okay, so killed, maybe it's not random in the first movie. Right. No, imagine the, guy the, the Mexican cartels are like okay. first a McDonald's franchise. And there's the guy at the top who owns the first franchise, yeah. and then it franchises out. All right, so Barrios, I get it. But <laughs> what I'm trying to say is that this girl is even more close to home as to being related to the person that took away his family. But so why not he's just murder her? More connected to her somehow because he already took his revenge. I don't know. Yeah. I think this film gets caught in its own also, way. Also, he has a deaf times. daughter, which we only know because that way he'd have a moment. Yeah. No, I'm serious. Like, that's the only reason why it was written in there. Yeah. yeah. And it was actually, from what I can tell, because I do know a little sign language, it was uh, uh, clearly they had someone on set because it was actually fluent and whatnot. But um, that was just really random. Yeah. Well, he had to <coughs> communicate. Uh, yeah. So, anyways, uh, opening remarks... That's about all I've got. Uh, I was disappointed with how <laughs> mediocre this was. Yeah. And um, Maybe they weren't deaf. Maybe he wandered into the same universe as A Quiet Place, and these movies mm. are happening concurrently. Mm. That would actually make it more interesting. It probably would have. Probably, yeah. but I don't think we're going to get that. Yep. We're going to get Emily Blunt returning in the third one. Yep. Because that's how this movie's going to work. That's how this franchise is going to work. Yes. Um, Go ahead, Tucson. Victor Garber just cocked a shotgun. <laughs> Day of the Cell Daddy. You motherfucker. Um, Son of a bitch. So anyway, I can't say that I am disappointed or let down by this film because, honestly, I didn't really have that high expectations to begin with. I, Looking back on our previous conversation for Sicario, I remember myself waffling as to like really... Um, compose a, a thorough critical opinion about it just because it hit me so lukewarm like I can appreciate it from a technical standpoint but I'm just sort of bewildered back then and now as to what exactly makes this that, that film so exceptional and it's on regard of what it's attempting to do I don't know what is this doing that I haven't seen before um, maybe it's just because it's just a hype hype train for, for Denis Villeneuve is like that's that's fine whatever but I just I don't fuck with it. It's, it's not my thing, but I can see why people would the, like it. Really quickly, right. the opening scene in the original film is fucking fantastic. Yeah, where they find the bodies in the uh, the actual house. Yep, like that's behind the behind the um, the drywall. And there's yeah. like forty bodies, yeah. and the tank just drives through the house to to get the whole thing. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like, I feel like that first impression of that film made me like, oh, this is gonna be great. Mm-hmm. And then as the film wore on, I was like, that first scene was really good, and yeah. then the rest of this. Until the end, which actually was really good, too. So yeah. there's some good bookends there, which really Man. sways. Right. Also, really quickly, just speaking of the first film, mm-hmm. the scene in which they cross the border is amazing, for me at least, how I love that sequence in the first film. And then they do that sequence like, <laughs> twice in this movie, and mm-hmm. neither time is like at all... As interesting as yeah. the first time. Well, yeah. there's no... I mean, they try to recreate a similar... Um, kind of wild moment because there's the moment where they get stuck with all the traffic at the border and pretty much everyone around them is trying to kill them, which is an amazing uh, sequence. Uh, but yeah, here it's just literally... did that happen in the first movie? Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But um, with with this film, um, yeah, I, I, I'm not only just like 
I don't, I only I not only just don't really vibe with this film at all. I just think that it's its entire concept and premise is disgusting. Ooh. I um I don't we we don't typically talk about um current events or anything like that on this on this podcast, but the 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 confluence of this film coming out in the week or the weeks following like border separation border separation the 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 detention of of migrant children from their their families and basically this is sort of a a film that reflects a a, a sort of hysteria or or anger or bias um against those sort of folks that is like, not only are they taking our jobs, they're also ferrying terrorists into our borders. Like, I, I feel like this is the sort of film that if you showed to our current commander in chief, he would definitely just be like, Oh man, that was such a, that was such a realistic documentary. Yeah, no, like bad or good. Yeah. Whatever you think, like this movie is accidental propaganda. Yes. For the conservative mouse pieces. Yes. Um, Anytime it even brushes up against any sliver of complexity with white compliance, mm-hmm. like the uh, lady showing up at the uh, to pick up the the kid mm-hmm. to, to take him into who's the coyote? Yeah, yeah, the coyote. Um, you know, oh. with the uh, the baby in the car seat, mm-hmm. whatever. Like that was a great scene because, but it only lasts like a minute, mm-hmm. and then we're back to just going like, oh, but it's really those Mexicans. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah. No, but it, that, that's the whole vibe of this film, and I just, it, 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 it just really got under my skin, and it never really left outside of just how, just how shittily this film is put together in itself. It's just like I'm just watching fucking propaganda. Here's the thing, and to to uh, Tucson's point is that because I think Taylor Sheridan wrote this in a cinch, like. He probably has other projects, like he may have even been working on Wind River while writing this or something, and then wants to get onto his own movie because he didn't uh, direct this. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like he had less time to like reread his draft to mm-hmm. see whether any of this tracks geopolitically because I've never seen a film so concerned with uh, border terrorism that somehow finds way more time to name drop 9-11 and a lot of other things that it conflate. Like, uh, there's a reference to, like, well, it's all a desert, you know, and what, like, this movie goes out of its way to try and uh, act, if not goes out of its way, it ends up drawing all these disgusting parallels that this is all the same war on terror. Yeah. Which I'm not saying there isn't. It's all a desert, man. Right. It's all a desert. I'm not saying there isn't a drug problem. I'm not saying that these aren't real conflicts, but um, the way that this movie puts no effort into actually uh, distinctly wrestling with this particular conflict and just wants to pull off things from the terrorism cloud. See, I feel like the first film, though... Had similar themes throughout, but I feel like it was way better teased because it also made um, the group turn into the antagonists yeah. as the film went on. And it kind of swayed where this film kind of has... did, but didn't really try. The first film had antagonists and people who worked within a hierarchy of 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 crime to do what they wanted to do. This one feels more vague and more just like... But when the first film starts, Josh Brolin is part of the protagonist group, and he changes teams as yeah. the film goes on, which makes also... it seem aware with what... yeah. But the other thing, though, is that the, this movie doesn't have Emily Blunt. And in the first movie, she is the audience surrogate yeah. 
of finally seeing what's happening behind closed doors and kind of reeling at the horror of the conflation going on between what they're deeming terrorists and what mm-hmm. they're deeming uh, necessary means to right. deal with these conflicts. And so without any sort of voice piece, like you need it, you then need this movie to be satire or you need it to be something in which our protagonists can't just be the bad guys who have a change of heart. Like, it just makes no sense. It's not smart enough to be satire. It's not self-aware enough to be satire. Josh Brolin gets a a moment at the end where he saves the the girl. I I just don't... I mean, the whole movie, he's like, yeah, that's not what we do, whatever. And then he even's like, okay, you're on your own, whatever. And then he's like... And it, it, I was, we were no, literally two seconds away. F- we pretty much got it, but we were about two frames too early away from like an actual slow motion walkout, sunglasses on. You know, like we actually did get a walkout moment, which I thought was really gross because that was just kind of like okay. Um, but Mission accomplished. We, yeah. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Yeah, but we yeah one eighty song. You know, and we could have been actually uh, just dancing on the grave of all countries that are not U.S. I, it's just so weird. Yeah. That those are my like initial <laughs> impressions. Really, is like I, I fuck this movie, man. Nick, I think yeah. you should uh, send some of your buzzwords in for the uh, Blu-ray box. Gross, disgusting. Gross, disgusting. Propaganda. Propaganda. Maybe yeah. they'll put you on the 4K box because less people look at those. Oh yeah, um, I'm sure. <laughs> I, I I'm I was not a fan of this movie. Uh, I the first movie I also like I, the first movie I was underwhelmed by when I first sat down and watched it and I liked parts of it but didn't like all of it whatever, but it really grew in my mind the more I thought about it until even now like I still think of it looking back and going wow that was actually a pretty subversive movie especially in the way that it uh, plays with audience expectation but also just not kowtow to our own moralistic standpoint now this movie <laughs> seems to think that that is what we needed more of when Sicario was like, the first one was already at that limit of what I think would constitute as a good movie in the hands of these writers and directors and whatnot. So when this movie comes along, and I genuinely think this movie, which is insane because it's written by the same person, but this movie feels like it's written by a fan of the first, not the writer of the first. Like, it's just like, remember when Benicio Del Toro does that? Remember Josh Brolin? He's so cool because he's fighting for our country, but also he wears Crocs. And you know what? He's probably a really good guy deep down. Yeah, we'll write that in the third act. And also, we need um, a random white person who's, you know, like Catherine Keener. I mean, <clears throat> it just felt like it had everything. We need a mean white lady to tell him to do his job. Yeah. Um, how, about, how about a Hispanic girl who needs to be saved from her country? True. Um, <clears throat> but not really saved. We need to put her back. Yeah. We have to go back. Um, and the other thing, too, is that it recycles beats from the first oh, movie. Yeah. Like, the obvious ones, and then I would say even the not-so-obvious ones was also just as lazy. The scene in which Josh Brolin is uh, talking to the all the guys in the room, like, that was, like... That was a recycle of Emily Blunt's audition because now he's in the chair and he has to like basically argue why he should be chosen for this when it's like, wait, I thought he was like the guy who doesn't even have to do that. So it's like getting rid of Emily Blunt's character was so crucial in making the end of that first movie work. But then they had to like somehow reorient the franchise, but you can't reorient it around these characters. They, uh, 
they need to exist as they always have been, and you need to put someone else there or acknowledge who they are in reality. None which of these is, can play the fish out of the water. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with Toussaint because I also found it pretty offensive, uh, mostly because it wouldn't actually pick a side. It was so... Uh, generic when it was spouting. Like, I, that's why I said it's accidental propaganda. It's not that I think like Taylor Sheridan set out to make something so uh, deliciously uh, patriotic, <laughs> quote-unquote. Uh, but because he refuses to see color, so to speak, as far as red versus blue, it, it just it, like the fact that there is no side to pick in this makes it ineffectual at the drama because it's just like, What's the point? I'm sorry, but like, um, it's so tone deaf because of the timing. And yeah. yes, that's something that happens outside. But this movie only references things that happen in the real world, whether it's 9/11 or other, you know, uh, operations that have gone wrong. So for a movie to be this clinically like based off of CNN, you know, verbiage and, and reports and whatnot, mm-hmm. um, you can't not say that outside events can't in some way influence or inform what this movie is saying, whether intentionally or not, because this movie wants to be seen alongside the real day docudramas of the world. I'll just Alex. Oh, you go my turn. (laughs) Yes. Great. All right. This is kind of a random thing, but it was pretty, uh, this is one of the things that I truly thought was pretty, uh, stupid (laughs) movie. Yeah. Um, and, I guess I don't have as many strong opinions as you guys do about uh, the direction of this film and the, the viewing of you seeing as propaganda because I feel like this film is just conflicted in that weird mm-hmm. space where it's trying to tell this story that really doesn't need to be told and it's just kind of in a weird spot. But anyways... Uh, one thing I did actually take pretty big offense to that I thought was just a very bizarre choice was uh, Josh Brolin having this very crotchety old man comment early on in the film when they run into the kid being like, can't even tell the drug dealers apart anymore. And then we see the kid late in the film and he now has tattoos and all that shit. And I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah that's what say. I'm talking about. This is what I'm talking about. Take a lane. But that seems like... Also, for the entire ending tension to be solely based off of a ridiculous happenstance like that goes against everything that Sakar like these movies are which is that there is no fate there is just these freight train of militarism that are you know running in on these operations uh but yeah he's just hanging out in that mall first of all where are their malls at anymore and also too he's in a Mexico no, that's in America. Texas. Is it? I thought it was California. No. At any rate, it doesn't matter. Texas. Was it Texas? Okay, whatever. Texas. At any rate. They're in a mall in like this back room in the same back room that he's in earlier, but now he's there. He's wearing the same outfit as in the first film. Like what? Yeah. He was, he's only got a couple outfits. Yeah. I will say Yeah. I will say, um For all you Sicario diehards out there. For the f- for the first, like, 20 minutes of this film, I was like, is this film, like, just going to revert back and end up, like, being a prequel to the original? And then it picked a lane pretty quickly, Jeez. saying it was not that. Um, but I wish it was, because at least it would have made some things in this film. I mean, obviously it would have been a different movie, but uh, it would have made more sense. But no, this was just just, just dribble. 
Yeah. Um, Sicario can never be a prequel. Like, they would never make a Sicario prequel because half of what I believe the people who make Sicarios, mm. I guess, um, <laughs> genuinely think they do are doing, are presenting what we would think of as real, real-time uh, dramatizations of actual conflicts. Yeah. Right, right from the headlines. Yeah. Like, um, just to, to mention this, uh, Nick and I, recently went to go see the first purge Hell yeah we did i'm gonna talk a lot about that you, but you can, um, you can mention yeah i was like yeah. just to mention it as like i feel like for as insane as that entire franchise is in its central conceit and what it's actually attempting to do um the first purge is actually i i feel like more sensitive and more aware of the ma- of the material conditions which inform its premise like the material real life lived experiences that inform its its fictional premise than sicario will ever be if you look at the trajectory really quick yeah. of i know it's two films versus four films right. but you have the sicario uh franchise mm-hmm. keep hating myself for calling it that but right. whatever uh, Almost as much as you hate the franchise itself. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but you have those two movies trying to do something ultra realistic and shoving its, uh, you know, uh, moral bankruptcy in your face because mm-hmm. it's like that's the price of freedom, whatever. Yeah. Um, and then you have the Purge movies uh, in which it's just extremely unsubtle and very blunt about how we're all just horrible human beings. So it's funny because they have similar messages, whatever. But whereas one franchise, meaning Sicario, mm-hmm. went from one film to the second film in a weird forward way of like trying to round about its amoral characters into a more uh, humanistic outlook, yeah. The Purge is doing something slightly interesting because The Purge starts out with a very myopic white suburban family yeah. who are very questionable in their politics and the way that they allow this to happen because they're safe from it. Or are they, if you've seen the movie, whatever. It's, it's really... But then the yeah. movie, the franchise, with each passing installment, gets more and more, and I don't mean this as a pejorative, no. but more and more urbanized yeah. to where the first Purge is now an actual, almost exclusively African-American cast, and the movies are only getting better because we are now seeing how this actually affects I would consider real people and people who would actually be affected by these plights. And um, I just find that fascinating. It's like when one film is, you know, zeroing in on its humanity by simply spreading the, you know, the, the scope, the other one is like refusing to believe that its characters are anything but, uh, right in this crusade. Yeah. I've never seen any of the purge films, but are there similarities in terms of the way it views, society um, to the Hunger Games at all, or not really? Um, I mean... I mean, you could certainly draw some parallels, but... Okay. Um, I feel like The Purge is more... Like 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 Nick was saying, the first movie was really... It, it, it's a film that predates our, our current political moment <laughs> in that its entire premise is really just a pretense... But watch for, it now, and it's yeah, weird. It's, it is fucking weird, yeah, but... In a good way. Yeah, in, in a good way, but it, it, it its entire premise initially serves as a pretense for a, a home invasion horror film. That's really what, it, okay. what it's meant to be. Yeah. But as it goes on, as it is with this latest iteration, I feel like this is talking about the actual material causes and effects that would actually create this sort of fucked up experiment, this fucked up trial. And it comments on things like gentrification and class warfare and just – 
the Can most, I say, yeah. it's so weird that this past week, or two, two weeks or so, whatever, mm. uh, the first Purge came out at the same time the Superfly remake came out. Because Superfly, the remake, is a modern-day remake of a classic exploitation film, whereas the first Purge is a modern-day exploitation film. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, like... Yeah, I think it, so. It is... Like, I say modern day in the sense that it is not trying to be like uh, trying to throw back to the heyday of yo jive turkey or whatever or funky funk music. It's just this is what black exploitation would look like in today's age. Right. It, it would have this angry political bent mm. at the man. In this case, you know, the new founding fathers mm-hmm. is this conglomerate instead of just one person right. is spreading the blame across all. But when you watch these films, all the uh, antagonists of the new founding father whatever they're always all white yeah. almost exclusively male and here in sicario just to bring it back yeah. around um it's funny how it's so enamored by its central characters that it doesn't realize that it turned its own villains into people to root for uh for no conceivable reason yeah feel like Benicio del Toro was kind of a weird anti-hero in the first film though. Anti-hero sure, but he wants to, they want him to end this film as a hero. See, right. which which, then, which which is why this well, film is pretty much a failure yes. in my opinion. But that also what does the final scene mean? Like he did all that and now so I guess he's going to recruit him I'm for I'm thinking I'm back. He needs to recruit but a Jedi apprentice, him for man. That technically that's not a gr- good path. Like No. So you want to be a Sakaar? I guess he's trying to say that that was awful. better than what he would be going into. Also, how did that boy have like the Jedi mind? Because he just gets off the truck right before the yeah. Jedi. Yeah. Just so, so that way so he smart. survives. Yeah, so smart. No nah, man, I got a bad feeling about this. I mean, there's just like a bunch of people standing right there with guns to murder them. Yeah. No, but, uh, um. Yeah, I feel like here. Here is my like. I was sort of on board with where this film was going when Benicio Del Toro got shot because if yeah. they just would have left it like a fatalistic mm-hmm. battle loss so to like speak. it would have it would have to me it would have been like this guy tried to turn his path around and it it didn't work out for right. him where instead this film tried to have its cake in it too but he's not actually dead he's fucking indestructible <laughs> he's going to come back and be a hitman again and take out all the problems. It's just like, nah, dude. Like he's gonna we don't reunite a bunch of little girls with their cartel fathers. <laughs> that's a that's an all timer right there. It, if if you take it out of context, that's beautiful. I don't I don't get it. Like it was it was fine. Like just tie that bow up. Like there's no. There's no need, but I know I know why. It's but... almost as if there didn't need to be a sequel to Sicaria. Uh, no. Yeah. The other weird thing about it is these are not very successful films. No. The original Sicaria wasn't okay. really a, a wide I release. I'm with you. We had to go to Evanston to see the first one. Yeah. But I saw this one on the day after. I mean, Saturday it came out. And that was a full theater. And I genuinely did not know in my head whether... Half of these people knew that this was a sequel because it's not like it says Sicario Two. Like you could just think yeah. that this was a random, and you could watch it. Did and you watch this on video? Going on, yeah. Would Would I watch this? No, it was like oh. uh, you, you look around, and you're like, yeah, did, yeah. did you guys watch this on home Is video? Right, like, the same character from Burn Notice. Oh my goodness. <laughs> 
I you know what the worst notice. I think I made a reference to burn notice on our original Sicario episode, so that's how long this I mean, podcast has been. That's what he's known for. I was gonna say. So that's mm, about it. That and uh um the Changeling movie. I don't know if he's known for that. He's not. That's what I know him for. <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah, and burn notice. Yeah. Yeah. I say we just call it. That's fine. Let's call it. I'll give my final thoughts first because I'm I'm done. I you suck. Yeah, I just uh, <laughs> I just wasn't a huge fan of this. I didn't think this was very good at all. Um, I gave it two out of five just because I thought the action sequences were enjoyable enough to keep me entertained while I was eating some popcorn in the theater. But overall, this movie just uh, didn't know what it wanted to be. Had some pretty off-putting moments, uh, even more so now that I'm thinking about it a little more after hearing these two guys uh, state their case pretty well. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I just wasn't that big of a fan. And also, too, it seemed like Josh Brolin was just casting them checks in this movie. Yeah. Because he, I thought, was, like, trying in the first one. And this one, mm-mm. mm-mm. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think so. It's two out of five for me for Sicario Day of Benicio Del Toro. He took his character's uh, vibe a little too seriously on set. Like, just like, oh, my character is nonchalant, so therefore I don't actually have to try this yeah. time around. They also I don't had have to, to read the script. They also had to make him grow the hair on the side of his head back, and he's like, no, I really want that fade cut. So if you I can't just... stand people who chew gum in movies. <laughs> and They're just... just jackasses. Yeah, it's just annoying. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give this uh, one star. I'm going to give it one out of five just because originally I gave it a one and a half. Ooh. Um, but. Take just, that, Josh. I just can't. Uh, yeah. The only thing that's keeping me from like giving it a full half star is just that I'm not completely disgusted by it from beginning to, to end. I'm more of like big. I'm disgusted all the way from the beginning to the middle half, and then after that, I'm just bored. Yeah, so, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, I give it one star out of five as well. I think it's pretty awful. I yeah. think it it's one of those rare cases of a sequel that actually doesn't like feel like fan service because it generally doesn't feel like it's watched its first movie. <laughs> like, it's just so bizarre to me. Um, and I think in general... Uh, this clearly showed why Emily Blunt was a powerhouse in that first film, not just because of her performance, but because of how necessary that character is to making this entire moral structure work. Cause without her, it just collapses and everything else around it becomes unstable. And that's where I think you get, you know, two people like us just uh, crazily ranting on how offensive this is because it's just so, uh, it's so, not careful with some of his implications yeah. that it's just it's just bizarre and considering that it's not even entertaining to me you know besides that mm-hmm. then it just makes it just completely a failure on my on my uh, end yeah and i really thought that this film was going to be just a benicio del toro showcase like just showing him just mowing people down and... if i had like an inkling of what this was going to be i'm with you in the sense that like it would be that like just from the trailer, mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be like the last like half hour of Zero Dark Thirty. You know, yeah. like a real geopolitical 
you know, conflict, but we're not going to think too hard about it in the sequel. We're just going to let Benicio Del Toro run People wild. People liked what he did yeah. at the, in the last scene, and here's a whole movie of that. Right, right. And whether it's morally offensive or whatever, you still are going to want to see it, whatever. But nope. Nope. <laughs> we'll just be morally offensive and not give you that. And he has a change of heart. Oh. No. Completely misunderstanding what the actual appeal or... or essence of that character was so yeah well you know whatever yeah that's this film so that is sicario day of the soldado if you have any thoughts on it out there you can always send them to us at send them to us at filmtankshow at gmail.com coming up on our next episode marvel has another entry into their cinematic universe number 20 to be exact whoa and that is ant-man and the wasp ants The sequel to Ant-Man, which came out three years ago. What are you doing? Uh, he's I'm doing excited. a weird oh, dance are you up like and down. Being like and... a wasp, like, yeah. a, like a bug. I get yeah. it. Mm, okay, I guess that's fine. Yeah, it's getting more like a Beetlejuice vibe out there. So I yeah. don't know. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Paul Rudd is back with Evangeline Lilly now being his somewhat equal. But, yeah. but we'll see. They're both in the title. Both in the they title. are. Yeah. Um, and there have definitely been mentions of that in the trailer of them uh, being it partners. It takes two to get a thing. All right. Yeah, that was an interesting song choice. Yeah. I kind of liked it. As did I. Yeah. So that'll be coming up on our next episode as we just can't stop talking about those Marvel movies. Yay. 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 All right, so from Nick Cheney to Son Egan, myself, Alex Diekman, thanks for joining us here on Film Tank, and we'll be joining you again next time.